The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we talk about what you need to know if you're visiting Disneyland for the first time, especially if you're a Disney World regular. Find all episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, where we receive bonus content, including live trip reports, one of which you'll hear this weekend. You can also support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Email josephchung at travelmation.net to get started. If you have any questions, email us disneydeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, DisneyDeciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So a few weeks ago, listener Kelly emailed us and was like, I'm an AP holder from Florida, and I love Disney World, but I'm going to Disneyland for the first time. And I realized that... You know, in 2018, we did an episode about Disney World for people who know Disneyland really well, but we haven't done the reverse episode. So thank you, Kelly, for the idea. And so today, what we're going to do is, if you're thinking of going to Disneyland, and, and, you know, because people are traveling further than they were before, and everyone always wants to check out the original Disney park, what do you need to know, especially if you know Walt Disney World very well? Luckily... We just happen to have a Disneyland expert here on Disney Deciphered, and that's our very own Leslie, who you can find writing at tripswithtikes.com. Uh, lots of Disneyland stuff on there. Before we get to that, want to thank really quickly a new Patreon supporter, Kim S. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, we really appreciate it. Check us out on patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered if you want bonus content, including trip reports from Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, anything Disney related. And every once in a while, um, even random places that we visit. With all that out of the way, let's get to it, Leslie. Give us a primer on what Disney World people need to know if they're going to Disneyland for the first time or if they haven't been there for a long while. Sure. All right. So I've compared it on eight features, but there are a lot of differences and littler things. But these are kind of like the big eight that you need to know to plan your vacation differently because you do need to plan your vacation differently at Disneyland. And the first thing that I think people need to understand is the layout at Disneyland is very different than at Disney World. And along with that, the size and the scale is very different. I mean, Disney land is much, much, much smaller. I like to think of Disney World being a city and Disneyland as a neighborhood. So, you know, you have two parks at Disneyland. They are directly across from an esplanade from each other, like right there. Then you have, you know, three on-property hotels all within walking distance. You have downtown Disney right there within walking distance. So it is really like a neighborhood that you can walk from one end to the other end 
you know, it's a long walk, but it's definitely doable. So that really does change everything about how you plan your vacation, where you want to stay, whether you're going to park hop. We'll talk about all of that as we get to the the other features. But really understanding the scale is is very important. Yeah, you said this to me before my first trip to Disneyland last year, Leslie. You said something to the effect of walking from Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland to, I, I don't know, I can't remember, some attraction in California Adventure, maybe Avengers Campus or something like that is shorter than walking from one end of the Magic Kingdom to the other. I'm mixing up exactly the landmarks and things like that, but the concept is that to get from Disneyland, which is one theme park, to California Adventure, which is a separate theme park, it feels shorter than getting from one end of one Disney World theme park to the other. That's how compact everything feels, and I really felt that on my trip. So it can't be emphasized enough just how much more intimate um, or at least you know less walking. And I think I said this after my trip, but you're averaging 20, 25, 30,000 steps per day at Disney World. At Disneyland, you can get away with 10, 15,000 and still feel like you've done almost as, as much. I still do 30,000 at Disneyland, but maybe that's you're cutting back and forth. How I tour. You're, 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 yeah, you're trying to be as efficient time-wise as possible, but it, you know, um, anyway. Yeah, no, 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 fair enough. But I guess if, if you want an analog at Disney World, the closest thing I could explain is think about the Crescent Lake area where you have three hotels, you have two parks within walking distance, Epcot and Hollywood Studios. I mean, the Crescent Lake area is bigger than Disneyland, I would say, when you consider the size of, of the parks. But but that's the closest analog. So if you were just um, you know planning to spend time at Hollywood Studios and Epcot and staying at Boardwalk, that would be the equivalent of a Disneyland vacation. Which brings us to your next point. Like transportation is totally different at Disneyland. Like for a lot of people, it's just going to be their, their own two feet. Exactly. So the second thing that yeah people need to know is transit may not be needed at all at Disneyland. I mean, maybe you, you need it if you're flying in and you, you have to get to your hotel from the airport, of course. But once you're at a hotel, depending upon where you choose to stay, you may not need transit at all. You may be walking everywhere, walking to both the parks, walking to downtown Disney, all of that, walking to, you know, maybe some, some off-property restaurants, if that's something that interests you. Uh, the only thing that people tend to use, I mean, people will rent a car sometimes if they're staying at a hotel that's farther away, but even... You know, even that, I think more people are using ride sharing around Disneyland if they're farther away. They're you know, taking a quick Uber. There's a pedestrian drop off right along Harbor Boulevard, which is, you know, the entrance to the Esplanade between the two parks on the other side, not the downtown Disney side. Sort of, you just go straight into the Esplanade after you pass through security. So there's a, an Uber drop off there. So people are using ride sharing a lot. It's pretty reliable, although they do have a little bit of a driver shortage at Disneyland since the pandemic, but it's you know improving day by day. The other thing that people can take is Anaheim Resort Transit. That is just um, a city um, transit authority and you pay for a ticket um, per day or you can get like a, you know, several day tickets if you want. But I never use it. And I go to Disneyland a lot. I mean, I have been on it in my life, but I can probably count on one hand the number of times that I've been on it just because, especially for a family, as long as you don't have a baby where you're worrying about car seats and things like that, ride sharing is going to be cheaper when you're paying for, you know, four people, something like that. That's a great point. And let's move to our next point. 
which is hotels. At Disney World, you're probably used to, if you want to be within walking distance to one of the theme parks, with the exception of Swan and Dolphin, which is kind of like a pseudo Disney hotel, you are going to have to pay Disney World on-site hotel deluxe prices. But at Disneyland, it's a totally different story. Exactly. So we said three hotels that are on property at Disneyland, Grand Californian, the Disneyland Hotel, and Paradise Pier, soon to be, gosh, what is it? Is it Pixar or something? Pixar Place. Pixar. I'll look it up. Too many I'll P's. Look it up while Too you many keep P's. Talking. Yeah. Yes, Pixar Place. All of those are deluxe level pricing. And honestly, gosh, Grand Californian is pushing new upper limits of pricing for maybe, you may even have sticker shock if you are used to like the Poly and the Grand Floridian. So at Disneyland, the calculus for hotels is just totally different. You only are going to be paying big bucks. So a lot more people stay off property at Disneyland. I stay off property the vast, vast majority of the time, you know, the, the, the times that I tend to stay on property are usually for media events and things like that, or a really special vacation for my family. We, we do love the Disneyland Hotel. Yeah, you got that right. Pixar Place Hotel. So you got there in the end. So that's what it's called. Quick aside for you, Leslie, I guess if offsite hotels are so much cheaper, like why ever stay at a onsite Disneyland Hotel? Well, people still like the Disney bubble. And I mean, I love the history of the Disneyland Hotel. That's really the main thing. And I, I do enjoy the Grand Californian. There's a private entrance. I mean, I guess it's not entirely private, but it's a back entrance into California Adventure. And that's really nice. It's just extra, extra close. The proximity of the Grand is better than any off-property hotel. But the other benefit, I guess, is the early entry. They have the same that Disney World has right now, 30 minutes at either park that hotel on-property guests get. And it's even better at Disneyland because there's only three hotels. You're only competing with people who are staying in three hotels. So the lines are just non-existent during those 30 minutes. So it really is valuable, but but it's only 30 minutes. And for that, you might be paying $300, $400 more a night. Um, so I'm not sure if that's worth 30 minutes. You know, CR concierge level Disney cruise review as to whether something like that's worth it. Actually, the spring prices for Disneyland hotel are not bad. They're running like $400 a night. I mean, that's not cheap, but you know, not that's bad. way, that's not bad at all. I, anything with a four in front of it at the Disneyland hotel now is, is a deal. Yeah. So, um, I saw that the other day I was booking that for a client, but, uh, one thing that I really loved about Disneyland um, and I'm sure I'm not as efficient as you are, was just the park hopping experience. I mean, I've already alluded to it, but being able to get from the entrance of Disneyland to the entrance of California Adventure, like tapped in to the second park within five minutes, it's just a really different strategy when it comes to park hopping. Because at Disney World, I feel like generally when you park hop, you're not going back. Whereas at Disneyland and California Adventure, you know, my daughter and I, we're going back and forth, like depending on where our Genie Plus Lightning Lane reservations were. And, you know, we're happy to go back and forth because I remember what you said. You said getting from the entrance of Disneyland to Galaxy's Edge in the back is further than getting into California Adventure, which that is true. Yes, very, very true. That's like probably the longest walk that you'll get is all the way back to Galaxy's Edge. But yeah, no, park hopping is just so, so easy at Disneyland. I mean, unless you are really on an extreme budget, you should spring for the park hopper tickets at Disneyland because you will get value out of them. I mean, maybe if you're not very, very mobile, you got a young baby or somebody with, with you know, disabilities or something like that that's going to slow you down, it may not be worth it. But 
if you are a family like yours or a family like mine, you will get value out of it. And in fact, it will improve your park touring experience because like you say, and like we'll get to in a minute, um, it enables a lot more with Genie Plus. But yeah, I, it, I haven't counted every time I've park hopped, but one time I remember counting and I park hopped seven times in a single day and ain't no thing. It was just like I would have been walking all around Disneyland Park and, you know, it's felt the same. Yeah, it's so awesome. I'm going to take a quick break here to remind you that we're on YouTube now. You can check us out on youtube.com slash at Disney Deciphered if you want to see a video version of this or if that's how you like to get your podcasts. Leslie, like I said at the top, you have a lot of Disneyland and Disney World and travel with kids in general content. Where can people find that and find you? I am at Trips with Tykes everywhere on social media and tripswithtykes.com on the blog where you can find lots of longer form articles about all things Disneyland and Disney World and otherwise. And you can find me at As Joe Flies all over social media. And if you're looking to plan a trip, I can help you as your travel agent. Email Joseph Chung at travelmation with an M.net. Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line. We can do all of that. All right. We're on the back four. What do we got, Leslie? All right. Next thing people need to know um, headed to Disneyland is park reservations. I mean, that is a reality on both Disney coasts now. So it's really hard to go down <laughs> on paper right now about what the how hard it is to get park reservations. It's a constantly changing thing as it is at Disney World. It's getting easier like it has gotten easier at Disney World. But there are some different quirks you have to pay attention to. And some of that is due to there just being a lot more locals who go to the parks at Disneyland. The big thing to watch and that I will be watching in May myself, there's a current SoCal ticket deal for folks who live in Southern California and it expires right before Labor Day weekend, and it's only on weekdays. So that means those reservations on weekdays in late May sometimes will book up many weeks in advance because people are trying to use up their last few days of their SoCal ticket. So that would be something that people would not expect. Like, I'm going into Tuesday in mid-May. Why is it sold out? So you do need to plan. I mean, I still think a month is safe. A month in advance is safe for reservations for almost any time of year. And often you can get reservations for both parks the very next day. But I wouldn't chance it. If you're flying in, you need to be planning 30 days in advance to be sure you can get your park reservations that you want. Yeah, and then a couple of positive and negative quirks that Disneyland has. The positive is when you buy your tickets, if it's within, if if the park reservations are already open for when you're going, you are able to make your park reservations as you buy your tickets. So you can do that all in one transaction, which makes things a lot easier. You don't have to remember to do it later or something like that. Now, the negative quirk is normally, like at Walt Disney World, if you don't get the park reservation you want, we'd say, oh, just upgrade to a park hopper when you get to the park. But at Disneyland, you would think that like if you got California Adventure and you had a one park per day ticket, but you really want to go to Disneyland, you'd think that you could do the same thing, go to the ticket booth and be like, hey, can I get a park hopper? Well, there is no like set rules for Disney to let that happen. And so like, it's just don't count on that. So basically you, you're kind of screwed if you don't have the park yeah. to start with. Yeah, because they have different reservations calendars at Disneyland. So there's one calendar for park hopper tickets. There's another calendar for one day, one park per day tickets. So if there's not availability on the park hopper calendar, you, you cannot, you can't upgrade, or you, you can, but you will lose your reservation for the day. So yeah, just buy, make a commitment, park hopper or not, 
and then make your reservations on the right calendar and you won't have to worry about any of this. One of the few random Disneyland quirks that is definitely worse than Walt Disney World, where it's a lot smoother. Like if you have a one park per day ticket, but you want to park up, just go to the ticket booth. They're happy to take your extra $75, $85, depending on the length of your ticket. All right, what's next? All right, next is my favorite, the thing we talk about always on Disney Deciphered, Genie Plus <laughs> and Paid Lightning Lane. It's analog. It is just better at Disneyland. So this is your gift, uh, Disney World fans, for headed to the other coast, cheating on, on Orlando. You will have a much better time with Genie Plus. There are a lot of differences, actually, even though they're the same name, Genie Plus, in, in both coasts. There are a lot of differences. If you want to see a complete list, I actually have um, a guide to Genie Plus at Disneyland on my blog that we'll link to in the show notes that has like a little side by side of the differences and of each of the features. But generally speaking, you're making reservations with Genie Plus and you're making paid Lightning Lane reservations. Only after you have entered the park for the day. You have to scan your ticket, enter the park, and then you can start making bookings. So you can't do it at 7 a.m. You can't do it at park open, opening. That's, you know, I guess bad if you want to sleep in or if you're flying in that day because you can't do the stacking that you could do at Disney World. But otherwise, it's good. It's almost all good because the result is there's a lot more availability. I mean, there's more availability already at Disneyland just because of its density of rides. But because people can't start booking things until they get into the parks, that means fewer people are booking things right in the morning. These rides just do not sell out the way that they do at Disney World. You can get most attractions well into the afternoon. I mean, occasionally there's one or two that on busy days that'll book up earlier than that. But it allows you to really just max out Genie Plus. I mean, I did an experiment one time where I did 19 rides on Genie Plus, all of them in a single day was not a problem. I haven't tried it again since, but I have, you know, I, I'm convinced I could do it on every day except for maybe like Christmas and New Year's week um, because it really is that easy and there's that much, much availability. And as long as you know the order in which to get the attractions, you're just marching through rides, boom, 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 almost walk-ons. Yeah, I was talking to a client about it and they're like, should I add this? And I'm always like, it's $25 if you add it before right? The, I guess, worst case scenario is you show up and you realize you didn't need it. I mean, I guess that can happen. But even if you didn't need it, it's still, it's not going to be a net negative on your experience. It's almost always going to improve your experience unless like some, it's raining or something. I guess you can't account for that, right? If you don't buy it in advance, the lowest it's going to cost you is $25, you know, and it could cost more. So to me, it's like for $25 a ticket, the product works so well, it's definitely worth that. It's honestly worth more than that. Whereas at Disney World, you know, when you buy it, like you spend, you know, I spent $29 on Genie Plus. I used it for two to three rides at Hollywood Studios. That was worth it at Hollywood Studios, but that's because it's comparing apples to oranges, you know? So at Disneyland, it's just always so great. Um, if it's in the budget, I always say, get it. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I guess the exception would be if you've got young kids, most of the attractions on Genie Plus are ones with height limits or more like thrill rides. I mean, there are a few family rides on it, but not a ton. And certainly not a ton if you are one park per day in California Adventure. They're not enough over there to justify it. But if you have kids who will at least ride something like a Thunder Mountain, you should buy it. Definitely. All right. Now, I know there's always a lot of consternation between the coasts about dining, but how is the dining experience different at Disneyland? 
Well, it's just not much as much of a scene there. I mean, you're not going to Disneyland to hit these like, you know, famous restaurants and to make that part of your vacation or at least a focus of your vacation. That said, there are certainly some very good restaurants at Disneyland. Um, Napa Rose is excellent in the Grand Californian, Lamplight Lounge in DCA, Carthay Circle there as well. And then my favorite, Blue Bayou in Disneyland Park um, is just a great experience. So there's some nice restaurants that, that certainly are very competitive at 60 Days Out when you can start making your bookings. And so you should go for one of those because they're unique or something like that. But you're not going to Disneyland to have a bunch of fancy meals. There's a lot of great just sort of more casual food there. Disneyland does, you know, the Instagrammable treats and the food festivals very, very well. So I tend to eat more on the fly at Disneyland. And, you know, so if you could, if you're booking a last minute vacation, and you can't get dining reservations, um, or you don't want to, you know, do the mouse dining thing and try to find stuff, it's okay. You can have a great and very quintessential Disneyland vacation just doing quick service. And then if, you know, a, a DCA food festival is happening, that as well. Other Disneyland random quirk is the 60-day thing isn't perfect or doesn't release on the hour as perfectly as it does. Well, I mean, WDW isn't perfect. But Disneyland is worse in terms of like just randomly sometimes, you know, sometimes it's like later in the day or whatever. So like you said, it's not as much of a thing. You don't need to get as worked up about it um, as you do at Walt Disney World. To finish things up, I am excited to hear about my favorite part, which is, you know, what are the attractions at Disneyland that you can't do at Walt Disney World? And it's a really nice list and a lot of fun rides on there that, you know, I'm looking forward to doing again sometime. Yes, yes. Definitely a lot of unique rides that you should try at Disneyland. I mean, the number one choice, I think, is clearly Radiator Springs Racers in California Adventure in Cars Land. That is just such a glorious ride. You know, a little bit thrilling, but but even my son, who doesn't love thrill rides, is okay with doing it. 40-inch height requirement, so most kids can do it as long as they're like four, four or five years old. So definitely make that um, something that you do on your list. The other classic is Matterhorn, of course. But Joe, I know you didn't do it. It's a painful, painful ride. But I feel like if you love your Disney history, you got to do it because you know it's it's sort of one of the the old school attractions. So so worth giving I'm a sorry, shot. Sorry, Walt. I know. Forgive me. I know. Sorry. <laughs> I haven't done it in years. <laughs> I will eventually. But yeah, if this is your one Disneyland vacation, take some Advil. Do it. All right. Uh, other attractions. Indiana Jones is very popular. I mean, it's similar um, to Dinosaur, but it's not similar. It's way better. Like similar ride vehicle, but way better theming. It's closed right now as we're recording it for a refurbishment. But when it's open again, definitely worth doing. Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Again, that was Tower of Terror back in the day. So it has an analog at Walt Disney World, but it feels like a completely different ride. It's... Um, dare I say better. So <laughs> controversial statement right here on <laughs> our, our Disney Decipher podcast. Um, also have to point out Mr. Toad's Wild Ride lives at Disneyland. I love that. Not literally attraction. though. Not literally. It's true. <laughs> spoiler alert. The ending. Yeah. Spoiler alert. That's great. A lot of other little things in Fantasyland are worth trying. Um, Casey Jr., Storybook Canals. Really great. And then two Alice, other things. Right? Oh, Alice, of course. I forgot about Alice. And then also two things at the holidays, uh, Haunted Mansion Holiday and Small World Holiday are both um, special ride overlays. You can't get it world. And then last, but certainly not least, Pirates of the Caribbean. Way, way better at Disneyland. Got to do it. 
still crushed that it was under refurbishment when we were there. So we got to go back. And also a shout out to, you know, we did the Disney 100 episode a few episodes ago, but Wondrous Journeys, the new show, you know, they do projection shows on It's a Small World from time to time. I'm not sure if they're running one right now. And, you know, depending on when you listen to this, you know, they're running them sometimes they're not. Also, the other thing is World of Color. I know, Leslie, you don't love that show, but still it's something different that you don't get at Walt Disney World. Oh, and of course... Magic Happens. The parade is back. Oh, of course. It's back. Yes. Yes. I really love Magic Happens. And it feels very Disneyland, very California. It's a little edgier than um, what might happen in Florida. So I like it. Well, thank you, Leslie, for sharing your knowledge. I mean, I think that's a really great primer and should give you a feel for how to tackle Disneyland differently and what to expect is going to be different about your experience. We always say that, you know, both coasts are worth visiting if you're, you know, if you're not, obviously, you know, we started this for Kelly, who's used to Walt Disney World. But, you know, if you live in the middle of the country and you're going to take two Disney trips with your family as they're growing up, take one to each coast. I think they're both worth checking out. Uh, Before we get out of here, let's end with our traditional Disney do or don't. And so what is your Disneyland do or don't for us for out-of-towners? All right, for out-of-towners, if you're flying into Disneyland, do look at all the airport choices. I think a lot of people, especially if you aren't sort of West Coast-based, don't understand the layout of SoCal, and there really are quite a few airports that you can use to get to Disneyland. The absolute closest is John Wayne, Orange County, SNA is the airport code. I also um, use Long Beach, which is only about 10 minutes farther. Uh, John Wayne's about 20-minute ride, and Long Beach is about a 30-minute ride. And very small airport, a lot of Southwest service. That's why I use it. And then, of course, I mean, a lot of people have to use LAX, especially if they're coming from the East Coast, because that's where where you're going to find more nonstop flights. But Audible those are groan. three. I know it sucks. Sorry. Um, I mean, you have to. It's a necessary evil, I guess. But if you can use one of the other airports, then do. Um, they're closer. They're easier. They're smaller. There are even some that are farther afield. Like if you might maybe are combining with the San Diego vacation, you can fly into there as well. Pre-pandemic, JetBlue flew to both Burbank and Long Beach. Now I got to go to LAX if I'm going to fly. Actually, there's no there's no directs to um, SNA or or Long Beach uh, these days from Boston. So brutal. All right. Well, thank you so much, Leslie, for sharing your knowledge. I'm just going to say it one more time, tripswithtikes.com. If you are going to Disneyland for the first time, so much great Disneyland content on there. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Thank you for letting us talk about Disneyland for a little bit, and hopefully this is helping you if you're planning your first or fifth Disneyland trip. Other than that, Leslie, thank you for taking the time to talk to me, and I will see you continually bragging about how much better Genie Plus is at Disneyland. Thanks, Joe.